One of these days we'll have an intro to our podcast. Hello and welcome to the Maiden Voyage episode of We Don't Have Time For This. I'm your host, well, co-host, Gemma Pranita, aka Gemma Peanut on the Gram. In case you don't know me, although if you don't know me, I wonder how the heck you even found this podcast, because I'm assuming that a lot of our listeners are coming from Instagram. If you didn't, how did you end up here? (laughs) How the hell did you find us? Just scrolling through podcasts, looking for cute artwork. (laughs) Our artwork is really cute. But yes, I am Gemma Pranita, aka Gemma Peanut. I am a mum of two. I'm a working mum. And I spend a lot of time hanging out on the gram, connecting with other fellow mums. And now I'd like to introduce you to my co-host, Kate. I'm no one. No. Well, you're, hang on, hang on. You are someone oh, to and, me. Oh, babe. I'm the pot to your lid. You sure are. Uh, no, I'm not no one, but I have no platform until now. <laughs> no, I am Kate. I'm an art director. I'm a mum. I'm a working mum and I'm your best friend, once described by the Daily Mail as a bridesmaid. In what context were you described as a bridesmaid? In the context of your wedding being on the Daily Mail. Or is that because I'm a somebody? You're a somebody (laughs) and I'm a nobody. And when nobodies carry somebody's veils, they can sometimes end up on the Daily Mail. (laughs) I was... um, I believe the caption under the photo was, a bridesmaid carries Gemma's. I think they said more about where the veil came from and how much it weighed and who the brand was. Carried by a bridesmaid. Because everybody, the Daily Mail is a very credible news source. I heard today it's the number one news source in the country, which is terrifying. Getting straight into that shade (laughs) with the media. (laughs) That's what we want to do, guys. We want to create beef with the media. So I want to start off by introducing you guys to my bestie, Kate. Now I'm going to blow some smoke up your ass because I do love you and I want everyone else to fall in love with you too because you have so much to offer, so much to bring to the table. You are one of the funniest people I know. You're also one of the most bloody smart people, smart to the point where it's irritating. So let's start off by hearing about your family situation. Okay, so I'm a mum of two. I have a six-year-old, Isla, and I have a three-year-old, Teddy, a girl and a boy. And I'm married to a wonderful, highly evolved, super fun man who is Scottish. Uh, Where in Scotland is he from? He's from Aberdeen. He's an Aberdonian. I have to apologize straight up for the terrible Scottish accent. (laughs) He's from Aberdeen, northeast Scotland. Uh, We met here and we've been married for almost 10 years. And we live on the northern beaches in Manly. And what do you do for work, Kate? So I'm an art director for a digital magazine. So I'm responsible for anything visual that comes out of the brand. That can be something that goes on social media or it can be a full-blown photo shoot or it can be a piece of content for a partner. Sometimes it's a video series. Basically, it's creative output for this brand. And I just want to say that everything that Kate puts out creatively is visual porn. Visual porn. Porn is visual. Well... (laughs) 
You're not into the audio side, but now that you're into podcasting, is this your audio porn? Audio porn. Because I feel like I am going to love listening to you riff on all things motherhood, working motherhood, lifehood. <laughs> Are we going to get into some controversial conversations? Oh, probably. I got to say it's up there with one of my fears about doing this, but I'm also really excited to just have a date in the diary every week to see you. I think that's partly why we created this podcast is because we kind of just want to hang out with each other and put it under the umbrella of work. work. <laughs> if we don't call it work, we won't do it. How depressing is it's that? It's pretty sad, but friendship is the first thing to fall off the to-do list. So Katie, let's, can I call you Katie? You, yeah, you, you can call me anything. Dear listener, Jem <laughs> has 35 nicknames for me and it's so discombobulating to hear her call me Kate. I actually call her Revs or Dizzle, Rev Dizzy Dog. <laughs> Barstool, we'll go into that another time, why I call you Barstool. You really just call me Revs, so you can call me Revs. I'm going to call you Revs. So guys, her name is Kate Ruth Reeves, but I call her Revs. You know, no one knows my middle name and now you've outed me. Too bad, Ruth. (laughs) Hey, that was my dear Nana's name and I'm proud to have it. So Revsy, do you want to share with our dear listeners how we met? Yes, it's one of my favorite stories. So we met, true story, in the canteen line in year seven. I was humming Spice Girls. Which song? Which um, song? Oh, if you want to be my lover. <laughs> yeah. And then I was humming it. I was going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then I hear this. <laughs> Make it last forever. Friendship never ends. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what happened. Anyway, it was like the cutest meet cute ever to occur. Oh my God, we're so adorable. Are we? I mean, to us, we've always been adorable. To our wider year group, I think we were insufferable. But from that moment on, we were inseparable. Best, best friends. I think I said to you, oh, can you harmonize? I'd never met another 11 year old who could harmonize. And you were like, is that what it's called? And match made in heaven, besties ever since. And I think this is the perfect time because I think we should give people the opportunity to exit stage right out of this (laughs) podcast. We should share that we are choir geeks. Oh, yes. We're music theater geeks. Shakespeare nerds. Shakespeare nerds. People are just leaving in droves (laughs) right now. Look, we were big time drama geeks. That's the best way to put it. That's the most accessible way to put it. And from the day we met Harmonizing in Canteen, we were instantly putting on plays and shows and entering every talent quest under the sun. It's true. We competed in Shakespeare Festival. You're just trying to drive people away. (laughs) I am. I am. I'm sorry. I'm alienating our audience already. We are really cool mums, I swear. Oh, so cool. I think it's really important that you guys understand the intensity of my friendship with Revs because I don't want you to think, oh, Jem started a podcast and she just didn't want to be a lone ranger and needed a crutch to hold on to. So she just recruited like a random friend to jump aboard. Because everybody was thinking that. (laughs) They clicked on the artwork and they've come to listen and they were like, hmm, who is this crutch that she's (laughs) rung in? Well, I just think it's really important that people understand the history of our friendship. Now, here's a really clear picture that I think says it all. Revs was my maid of honor and I was hers. Revs is Rafa's godmother and I am Teddy's, her son's godmother. So I hope that paints a really clear idea of the depth 
of our friendship. You are my person. You're my person too. Now let's talk about people because we want to bring people to this podcast. So let's start with what is this podcast going to be about? Well, you put a poll out on your Instagram and you asked people what they wanted to hear us talk about. Although when you asked them that, they didn't know I was involved. Which is fine. What if you put a poll up and was like, shall I ring in a random friend that you guys have no relationship with to chat about stuff with? And the poll was resoundingly thumbs down, 100%. Well, too bad, guys, because you're stuck with me and Rebsy. We come as a pair. So when you asked everyone what kind of things they would want to hear chat about, what did they say? Well, it was kind of interesting because I kind of led with do you want to hear me talk about topics of motherhood or running your own business or how to get your own business off the ground or photography because these are all my own personal fields of interest and actually what surprised me was that I I honestly thought that there would be an overwhelming amount of people who would be like motherhood because that's kind of what I share the most on Instagram I would say but interestingly there were a number of people who wanted to hear about things coupled with motherhood. So for example, the working mum, how do you manage the juggle? How do you start a business as being a mum? How do you identify yourself outside of motherhood? This was actually music to my ears because there are loads of podcasts out there that are very motherhood focused, which serve an incredibly important purpose. But what I feel like Revs and I have to offer are conversations that extend out from motherhood, where the root is motherhood, but we are more than just mums. We have a lot more to offer than just talking about feeding schedules and pick up and drop off from daycare and school and packing a lunchbox and all of those things. So for me, what I love is Revs and I are gonna be meeting up once a week with a glass of wine for her, a coconut water for me, and no, I'm not pregnant. We can go into why I don't drink later on, but I feel like I want this podcast to be like, I'm just gonna tune in with my besties and catch up on the world. And that will include things like our opinions on what's happening in the world, bit of pop culture, bit of current affairs, and what's going on in our lives. I think we're always going to have a motherhood angle because we're mums. And once you sign up to that club, you can't really ditch the membership. So everything we do is through a motherhood lens. But we are working mums. We're entrepreneurial working mums. We- uh, I'm as allergic to the word <laughs> entrepreneur as I am influencer. I hate those two words. Why do you hate them? Because I feel like the word entrepreneur has been bastardized in the last five years by anyone I don't know. I'm being unfair. It's always the thing you see on like The Bachelor under someone's title. It's like, Holly, 22 from Queensland, entrepreneur. And it's like, what is that? What are you an entrepreneur of? Holly's just working her shit out. She's going to come up with something great one day. But yeah, I get it. It's a word that's thrown around a lot. It is. And it's also found its way into other incarnations such as mumpreneur and funtrepreneur and... Funtrepreneur? <laughs> yeah, funtrepreneur. And <laughs> oh, God, I no, I can't stand it. Entrepreneur needs to be left in 2017, like the word tribe. Tribe. <laughs> okay, well, what can we say instead of entrepreneurial? Oh, just fucking hardworking. All right, we are hardworking mums. Do you know what doesn't that doesn't encompass? Is we we have our own businesses. True. So we are, I guess, small business mums. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. <laughs> That 
sounds so mumsy. I love it. It's like a warm hug. We're small business mums. Small business is like the opposite of entrepreneur. It's like, no, I'm just this small little small business. I'm just really humble. I'm just this little family oh, but, business. But you know what? The entrepreneurs on Instagram will be that saying, don't play small. I'm sorry if you're one of those people. But I can't stand platitudes. I have a real aversion to people who talk in platitudes. And there are a lot of those people on Instagram. True. So Rebs, let's talk about how the hell we landed on the name. We don't have time for this. It's very simple. We don't have time to do this. (laughs) We genuinely don't have time. So... Should we wrap it up? In fact, I had to text my husband on the way here because I forgot to tell him we were doing this tonight and I had to be like, hey, sorry, I'm just leaving work now. I'm just going to pop over to Gems to do that podcast. <laughs> because we really don't have time for this and I really should, I don't know, be making eye contact with my husband or like packing the school bags for tomorrow or doing the five things I didn't get finished at work today. But I think this sounds really fun and I'm kind of up for it. So yes, you are. We don't have time for this, but we're doing this anyway, which is kind of the motto of our lives. And I feel like should be the motto of all mums lives, because I feel like we are all incredibly time poor and we all love making excuses for why we can't prioritize anything. In my case, exercise. (laughs) Yeah, we genuinely don't have time for that. Now, while we're on this, I just want to ask you, Revzy, what don't you have time for? You know what I don't have time for? What don't you have time for, Katie? Personal grooming. Talk to me about it. Well, I've never been a personal groomer. There's always something ungroomed. And I wish that just meant my bikini wax was not up to date. But now that we're <laughs> old, there's so much to do. So much to do from the top of your head to the tip of your toes. And I was really actually enjoying lockdown, letting it all go to oh. shit. My alfalfa sprouts were out of control and I was not mad about it. Define alfalfa sprouts for our listeners. Oh, I reckon you could get a visual. Your pubes. (laughs) Your pubes. No, I've lasered all that off a long time ago, so that was fine. It's just my hair seems to be always dirty. I swear I washed it two hours. Your hair looks beautiful today. Thanks, babe. But just generally, it's always dirty. And like my eyebrows need doing. I don't know. I always feel like I should put a tan on because I'm ghostly white. You know, just general things that other people seem to just be on top of and have done all the time. You know, when you just look around and most people look very well put together. But I think this has to do with the environment in which you work in. Because you are surrounded by millennials. Is that fair to say? There's some millennials. There's some older people too. No, it's pretty balanced actually. I think this is something that you and I are just really deficient at that most... (laughs) human women are really good at is just like getting yourself together but me I struggle and now I have to go into the office two days a week again and I have to put myself together and that means choosing an outfit that makes sense and shoes that work with that outfit which is just a whole other thing having clean done hair having a face on having eyebrows that aren't down around my cheeks or up near my hairline first of all I want to say I love how you just like lassoed me into this you were like you and I are just not cut out for this. And I'm sitting there and I've said nothing, hoping listeners are like, well, Jem's very well put together. And you've just exposed me as someone who is lazy as shit when it comes to personal grooming. And it's true. You could not be less put together. It's what I love about you. You're this like beautiful angel in a hot mess wrapping. <laughs> oh God, it's true. You've never really been put together. You've always had nice clothes and stuff, but you've never been like someone who really puts themselves together on, on the reg. Like you'd get ready to go out, 
but you're not like a put together person generally. You know what it is? It's laziness. I am so lazy. I get my hair cut and colored once a year. I'm trying to change that this year because Rafa's turned me gray. And so now I'm committed to getting my hair colored every 12 weeks. And by committed, you mean you ask me and our friend Claire to book in your hair appointments when we go. Once again, I'm feeling exposed, but you're not wrong. It's true. Revs books my hair appointments in for me to make me go because I complain about the gray hairs coming through my head, but then I don't do anything about it. And she's sick of hearing me complain about it. So she just sorts it out. You were one of those teenage girls and in your 20s who just looked gorgeous without much effort. Own it. You were. Own it. Nah, I don't feel comfortable owning that. You can own it now from the disheveled motherhood (laughs) beacon that you are. (laughs) That once upon a time it was easy to look gorgeous by just throwing on a slip dress. But don't we all feel that way when we look back at photos of ourselves in our teens? No. I look back on photos of myself in my teens and just think, what were you doing? Everyone around you looks kind of cute 90s vibes and you look like you're trying so hard to be on the cover of a CD that I end up looking like Boy George. Something I do need to share is that Revs has had every single color of hair you could ever imagine under the sun. I mean, you think Billie Eilish pioneered green hair? No. Think again. Again, we called that hair of your swamp monster hair. Do you remember? Oh my God, that's right. Because we were about to be bridesmaids and I went and dyed my hair swamp monster green. Look, I've been in desperate search of identity since I was 10 years old. Oh man, I cannot wait to dive deep into your identity search. So in my family, we've got lots of girl cousins and we look back on photos of us as children and my other cousins, they're so chic. They kind of look like themselves, but younger. And I always say... Me and my sister are like, you know, if my other cousins were Diana and Kate Middleton or whatever, we are like the Beatrice and Eugenie. (laughs) It's Eugenie? I thought it was Eugenie. Is it Eugenie? I don't know. Dear listener, this is Gemma jumping in mid-editing of this episode because I realized we never got to the crux of how to actually pronounce the princess's name. Now, I did some YouTubing and some Googling, and I can confirm that both of us were wrong. Her name is not pronounced Eugenie or Eugenie. It's actually pronounced Eugenie. <laughs> there you go. I've never been able to pull it together, is my point. And now in my th- mid thirties with two kids and a proper job, I really need to have arrived at that place where I can pull it together. It stresses me out. It's not that I don't love clothes. I love clothes. I love online shopping. I love filling a cart. I love physical shopping. I love all of that. I actually really enjoy makeup and nails and all that fun stuff. But I just find unless I carve out some time to really think it through or try and be one of those girls who has a capsule wardrobe, And I've tried. I really aspire to be one of those girls, by the way. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. You're never going to do it. And I'm never going to do it either. But anyway, anyway, so I went and got Botox. What? (laughs) Oh, my flipping. Okay. Okay. Is that where you think this story was going? No, but I'm, I am here for it. Okay. So I will confess a little bird did tell me that (sighs) Rev's got Botox, someone who she works with. And I was like, my bestie got Botox and she didn't tell me about it. The devil, she's going to try and lie about it. And then I'm going to be like, girl, you look like you've been on holiday. And she's going to tell me that it was some serum or something. Oh my God, this spiral you went down. (laughs) 
Okay, I have all the questions. Now, for anyone who has had Botox, I'm sure you guys are like, oh, girls, you are so behind. But for anyone else who hasn't, you are in the driving seat with me with all of these questions. So why did you get Botox? Well, for this exact reason, I never feel pulled together. Okay, okay, next question. Now that you have Botox, do you feel pulled together? I don't feel pulled together, but I feel like I look less tired. I have to agree. (laughs) I don't want to admit it, but when you walked in tonight, I was like, damn, you look fresh. It kind of feels like it all comes together just that little bit more. Am I wrong? I'm looking at your face and you are a walking advert for Botox because I'm like, I need to get me some of that. And I've never done it, but I've always been intrigued by it. Yes. So I had thought about it for a while because I thought, well, I'm spending all this money on skincare. I may as well just like, so is it like cheating? Yeah, it's like if you're going to spend all this money on skincare. Well, actually, I heard someone. I can't even remember who, but I heard someone say, if you're going to spend all this money on skincare, just go get Botox because it just does it like straight away. And then I was at work and my colleague was looking so good. And because I've never had it before, I can't spot it. Like I can't spot it on other people. And I was thinking, God, she looks good. Oh, she's a runner. I should really be a runner. Never going to be a runner. And I said, never going to be a runner. And I said to her, oh, you look so great. She's like, yeah. I was like, is it because you're pulling your hair back more? Maybe like a real idiot. I'm like, is it because you've got your hair back? And she's like, no, babe, it's the Botox. And I was like, tell me everything. Anyway, she told me about it. And I was like, fucking sold. Literally got on the phone and was like, hi, I don't know if you've got any appointments this afternoon, but I'm ready to have my first Botox right now. And my God, it's so much more involved than I thought. Talk me through the process. Does it hurt? Because I have a crippling fear of needles, which I pretty much overcame because of going through fertility treatment. But it's still not something that I would sign myself up to, to being jabbed. So, and it's your face, getting jabbed in your face. Yeah, it hurts, but it's fine. Like any beauty treatment, you know, like acupuncture or waxing or whatever. Hate acupuncture, hate waxing. Okay, cool. This may not be for you. No, it's got to be for me because you look so fresh. No Um, pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. Well, look, I fainted. What? Okay, okay. (laughs) Stop. This is not a normal reaction, though. I I thought my fainting days were done. I used to be quite fainty, as you know. Yeah. Um, but since having kids, I've kind of hardened up. But no, I let's go back to the beginning. You go in, you have to get like a doctor to actually prescribe it. So she pulls up on Zoom or whatever. Some doctor's like, hi, I've got Kate here. She's got no former medical blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, yep, that's fine. <laughs> Are you serious? So that was weird. Didn't know that had to happen. The advice I was given was find an RN, a registered nurse, because the nurses are good at injections and they've got less chance of being botched. So anyway, she was super nursey, super bolshy. And I was like, great, got me a bolshy nurse. This is going to be some qual Botox. Then she taught me through what could happen. Like, oh, you know, your face could get paralyzed. Your eye could droop. And I was like, say what? Yeah, Yeah, sorry. That's when I would exit. That's when I exited my consultation for eyebrow tattoos. What's that called? Yeah. Feathering or um, um, what's that microblade. called? Microblade. Microblading. That's when I exit. They're like, you can sometimes, very rarely with some people, it can turn green. I was like, that'll be me. So I didn't do it. But this, I was like, okay, so my eye could droop, my face could slide down, whatever. My whole head could fall off. I could be frozen. Then she said, as with any injection, there's risk of infection. But then I don't know. I just had a real like, well, I'm here now moment. And she started filling up the vials. And I said to her, 
Oh, so I just want to get rid of this angry frown in the middle of my face, which is, you know, it's look, all the men in my family have it. And I'm a lucky person who's inherited it as well. You have lovingly called it my concentration face. (laughs) It is your concentration face. They call it the Reeves frown. They do. And by they, you mean you. (laughs) Yes, me. Well, look, dear listener, you can't see us. But if you imagine right in the middle in between your eyebrows and then a vertical line going sort of from the top of your nose up into the mid of your forehead, Kate has a bit of an indent there that's sort of permanent. I always frown and it's not that I'm angry or upset or anything. I have a concentration face and I'm generally concentrating a lot of the time. So I have this frown and it's, it used to be just one line in the middle as you've described, but then I was starting to get these side ones. And you know, when selfie cam accidentally flicks on when you pull your phone out of your bag and you see yourself, how your child must see you every day from the worst angle with no warning. For me, it's the chins, chins, wrinkles, just un- prepared for what you're about to see of yourself. That happened to me. And I was like, ah! <laughs> and then anyway, so I, I said to my bolshi nurse, Robin, I said, Robin, take this frown away. I don't want to look old anymore. I've heard Botox makes you look fresh AF. And she's like, okay. And I'm just going to lift these brows. And I was like, Robin, hold up. That's what's happened. No, it hasn't. Cause I said, Robin, hold up. This is my first time. Be gentle with me. But your brows look Like you look fresh. Like I feel like I see more of your eyelids because your brows have been lifted. Well, I feel like I'm tensing my face. Like I hasn't settled in yet. We'll get to that. Anyway, so Robin says, okay, we could do, and then raise your eyebrows for me. And I, well, I could do it then. And I raise my eyebrows and she's like, okay, so we'll do, you'll have two areas and we'll do your forehead and frown. And I was like, sounds good. I said, don't jack me up with like, 50 cc's or whatever (laughs) like I want a little bit of movement this might you know I want to sort of go into it gently she's like okay I'll give you 30 units I've since learned that's like that's just kind of the dose this that's like the walking off the street do you have a Botox appointment (laughs) amount that you get so she puts them in I'm fine I'm actually not great with needles but if I don't look I'm fine I am fine for the first couple then (laughs) then one like the third one goes in and I heard it I heard the of the liquid going into my face and I just felt so queasy. Of course you did. And I was like, oh God, I'm, oh God, there's liquid going into my face. Oh my God. And I got in my head and then I'm gone, right? And I'm like, oh, Robin, I'm just, I'm just feeling a little queasy. And she went, oh, yep, I've got a few like you. So she gave me a Fanta. <laughs> a Fanta? I know. She just had a stash of Fanta. Well, they must have a fainters. <laughs> Why not Sprite? I don't know, but I was happy about it. Yeah, Fanta's, I, would, I wouldn't complain about Fanta either. P.S. Haven't had a Fanta since I was 10 and Fanta's good. Anyway, so I had a Fanta, came to, she put the rest of them in. I think there was like three in my frown and then like four in my forehead. What about crow's feet? Didn't do any of that. Just did my forehead. But can you do crow's feet? You can feet? do your whole face if you want. I mean, I think you look a bit crazy and I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I think you can do anywhere. So that's what I just did that. And then you wait. And she's like, okay, it takes about four to 10 days to kick in. You will see the top results at two weeks. And I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So what day are you? I am a week. Okay. And it has been like waiting to go into labor. Oh my God, the anticipation. And also, has it happened? Is that, is that it? Is, have I, like, so I've just kept... But I feel like it's happened because I happened. know your face exceptionally well. 
yeah down it, to the last freckle yeah and i and that line it's not gone it's yet it's not though. gone gone but it it's it's shallowed i know that's a really weird way to describe it but that line is fairly deep ish and i feel like it's it's shallowed it's flattened and, out and i guess it should completely go at the two week mark that's what i'm expecting but I gotta say, it's wild. Like I feel like I'm wearing a helmet. What? <laughs> like I feel like I'm wearing like fifty post-it notes on my forehead, and I feel like everyone's looking at me like, "Oh my god, she can't move her face," and they're not. No, they're not. But that's how I feel. It's for me. It's very obvious, and I can't shake it. Like I feel like I, you know, like if you tense your stomach muscles. Yes. I feel like I'm tensing my forehead muscles. Which is so weird because doesn't Botox paralyze and relax the muscle, which is what makes your wrinkles go away? I guess, but I guess if my default is angry frown and now it's all spread out, clear, fresh, (laughs) (laughs) then I guess it's not the normal feeling for my face. So you know that feeling of 50 post-it notes in your head? Because I think that's a really great visual. Because even I feel like I can understand what that would feel like. like, And you can't get them off. (laughs) Does that... (laughs) But does that feeling go away at the two-week mark once it kicks in? I will let you know. This lasts six months. What? Yes. Well, they, they say it lasts three to six months, depending on your metabolism. Now, the one pro of having the world's slowest metabolism, maybe I only have to get this once a year. Stop it. I'm hoping. It'd be a cruel, cruel twist of fate if I could only metabolize Botox really well. And you know what? That would happen to you. That would happen to me. So I don't know. I'll let you know. I'll report back. Yes, this is absolutely to be continued. But I've got to say, I'm not a convert yet. Like, I don't feel great in it. You know, like, I like how it looks. I definitely look less tired. I don't think I look crazy cat lady yet or anything. No. I, no. And I don't think I look particularly frozen, but look, like this is me raising my eyebrows. Dear listener, I wish you could see her face. <laughs> I hope that says it all. Maybe we can put it on our Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I know what your face looks like with those brows fully raised at max capacity and they're struggling to get there. Yeah, it feels weird. I'm not sold. So that's me. I'm basically just trying to pull it together visually. Because I can art direct anything except myself. But you are on the path. I'm on the path. Now I've been jabbed. What will I do next? No, this is exciting. But I'll tell you when you've ever done it. Oh, well, hopefully I won't do that. Maybe you can stop me before I get there. Deal. A true friend would stop me before I get there. <laughs> Deal. All right. What don't you have time for? You know what I don't have time for? What? Mum police. Ew. What's yeah. that? Ah, oh, look. So as someone who has a little bit of a platform on Instagram, you're laughing at me. Don't diminish. Don't be proud. Okay. So I have a wonderful community on Instagram, but there are what I call the one percenters, which are the vast minority, but they are always mum police. They are just people who cannot help but slide into my DMs And tell me what I'm doing wrong in the realm of parenting. And they always preface it with, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but, or I'm not one of those mum police, but. Okay, so I did a post not that long ago celebrating Iggy turning 10 months old. And one of the things I kind of poked fun at the fact that he's kind of taking his sweet ass time to hit certain milestones, which I am more than fine about. You know what Rafa's like? She's an absolute exhausting tornado. And I couldn't be more thrilled with the fact that my second born is an actual dumpling. 
and he doesn't move. He's 10 months old. He rolls like occasionally if he can kind of be bothered. He's nowhere near crawling. He's not pulling himself up on furniture. He's just not in a hurry. He's a real world observer. And I love that about him. And basically I had some mums, mum police slide into my DMs and say, you should go get Iggy checked at a physio or have you thought about taking him to a Cairo? Have you had his hips checked? Things like that. And I For just, what? Because it's a problem to them that my 10 month old isn't doing all the things that their child probably did at like six months. But the funny thing is, is I'm just, I haven't been bothered by it. And then I realized if you read my comments on my Instagram, there are so many mums saying, Thank you so much for sharing this because I have a 15 month old or an 18 month old who isn't walking yet. And you wouldn't believe how many people try and suggest to me that I should get help or take them to, to in an, real life or on Instagram, on Instagram. Okay. Cause you would never say that to someone in real life, would you? Or, or I guess you do. Old ladies like to stop you on the street and tell you what you're doing wrong with motherhood all the time, all the time. But I feel like fellow mums. They do it in a kind of backhanded way. Like I feel or like they, okay. So an example would be like, oh gosh, he's not walking. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) oh gosh, he's not crawling. Oh, how sweet. Your baby can't do anything yet. Yeah. So what other thing do you get? Have you, is this your first experience with mum police or have you had mum police before? Oh, I no, I've been experiencing mum police since I hit around 30,000 followers, I would say. And and again, I want to reiterate that it is the vast minority because I don't want people thinking that I'm just like harassed by people all the time because it's just it's not true. You don't get trolled. I don't get trolled. It's just, and I always try and have empathy for the mum police because I do genuinely think that they think they're coming from a p- place of concern and care. Eh. <laughs> You're do skeptic. they? That I do. I give them the benefit of the doubt. So the first piece of mum police that I received was when I had Rafa in a pram and I had a muslin over the pram canopy. And she was like, oh, I don't know if you know, but the temperatures inside a pram that are covered by a muslin are raised by like 10 degrees. And, you know, just like, and I instantly felt horrified and then I was like hang on I've got a bugaboo where the canopy has vents in it at the back and she probably doesn't know that was one incident another one was where I was feeding Rafa with a spoon and they were like sending me links to baby led weaning and I had never heard of baby led weaning and I was like oh my god do people actually think about this stuff like people definitely think about this stuff but I but the idea that they would try and tell you you're doing it wrong with a spoon is wild well I guess from their perspective it's like oh, I'm just helping her out but from my perspective it's inadvertent mum shaming because what it does is it's it's inadvertently saying you're doing it wrong whereas they never feel like they're approaching it that way from their perspective because remember you're always the hero in your own sure, story in their perspective it's oh Jem, she does she mustn't know about <laughs> this <laughs> I better tell her That kind of vibe. Unsolicited advice is something that I'm at the receiving end all the time. And I think it's because I am honest on Instagram and sometimes I do play up to the fact that I don't know it all, that people go, oh, she needs help. But often the people who I turn to 
for mum support and mum advice are people like you and people like our girlfriend Claire, who we call the good, the good mum, who knows the answers to everything. Like those are the, they're my brains trust people. They're who I go to. So yeah, mum police. I don't know, bit of a struggle with them. I guess when you're on Instagram and you're sharing your life with people, they probably feel they have a right to join in the conversation or... Which I welcome. I welcome that shared community, shared stories, shared experiences. But what I struggle with is when it's trying to tell me off or trying to school me. It's that schooling thing. Like I'm going to school you on how to parent your own child. But I love sparking conversation because I've had some wonderful um, behind the scenes conversations with women who I've never met chatting about things like infertility or struggling to conceive or for example just recently like mothers who are like my baby's not hitting their milestones quickly either and I'm glad to see that you're so cool about it because maybe I should be cool about it too so in that respect it's awesome did you did Rafa hit all her milestones on time oh she was in a freaking hurry to do them all yeah so was my first I don't know and milestones never bothered me but I wonder if I had a kid who was really slow to their milestones first if that would worry me because I feel like so I had a really big baby my first baby she was really big and people used to go oh she's big and I was like yeah and it started to upset me too I was like why is everyone gonna tell me I got a huge bloody baby and then you'd ask like another question and you'd soon find out they had a really tiny baby or their baby was really underweight and they had to like sort of make their baby be you know like think so I would never notice the size of other babies but I think what I came to learn pretty quickly is when someone feels the need to comment on your kid or your parenting they're projecting it's usually way more about their shit than it is about your shit. But that like took me ages. I was so like haughty and indignant about the unsolicited everything that gets thrown at you all the time in motherhood from your own mother to an old lady in a lift. And then I, I can't tell you, I, it, I still, you still get it with older kids, but I, it does not bother me anymore. I do think there are hypersensitivities that come with being a, a first-time mum, but also in that first year totally. of motherhood, whether it's your first or your second, because of all the hormonal adjustments that your body is going through. You know, you're going through the fourth trimester, and then if you are a breastfeeding mum, when you transition to weaning, then your hormones go crazy again. I lost my mind for two weeks after I stopped breastfeeding rappers. So, of course, everything feels really heightened because it's interesting to hear you talk about Isla being a big baby because I had the reverse where Rafa was so petite like a pixie still is it's so funny now because now I really don't care because I've worked out that that is her frame her build her size but I remember going to see my doctor and I said oh I'm I'm a bit worried because Rafa was she was on the 10th percentile for weight and height and my doctor said well a percentile is a percentile because someone has to be on the percentile and she's like, it's fine. Yeah. Someone has to be either end. Otherwise there is no percentile. (laughs) Exactly. And I was like, Oh, this is what I always say when someone's like, Oh, they're this percentile. I'm like, okay, Jem, what percentile are you for height? Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Like who cares? Who cares? I mean, look, I know it's there to, if, In extreme cases, if there are other things going on, like there's a reason they have it. There's a reason they do weigh babies and test babies and all these kind of things. But generally speaking, if everything else is okay, it's just a 
funny thing to be so focused on. Absolutely. We all do it. I did it. I told because Isla was like, she was 99th percentile for height and weight. <laughs> That's my girl. And 99th for this and quick to do that. And, you know, like all hitting all those milestones. And I was all smug about it. And then I came to realize like it, they, they all kind of even out at some point. Or they're all just human beings and we're all so different. And when you look at adults, like I couldn't tell you in my group of friends or my family who's ahead in their milestones or what percentile they are in their, I don't know, length or whatever those weird measurements are. It's so true. And sometimes I think it's important for mums, especially in those early days, to be reminded of that, especially with your first Because I can confirm that with my first pregnancy, I could have told you exactly what size fruit the app told me that Rafa was. She's an avocado. She's an avocado. (laughs) Now she's a pumpkin. And I I loved it. I frothed on it. And then cut to baby number two. People would say, how far along are you? And I was like, I don't know. I'm due in. (laughs) I think I'm 21 weeks. Like so different. And I think. I think you're absolutely right because Iggy is my second I'm much more blasé not because I'm not I don't love him as much or he's not as special but it's I've done this before I know it's gonna happen and I know how utterly draining exhausting and tiring it is once your child learns to walk that I'm okay with or him. learns to talk everyone wants their kid to talk and I'm like no you don't <laughs> Then you have to talk back. <laughs> and then trying to explain why paper is tr- a tree. Oh. That is so abstract for a five-year-old to explain how this piece of paper that you write on was once a tree. Like, I don't want to have to spend my time explaining that. I don't want to have to parent these children. <laughs> I don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. Something I would love to encourage mums is when you feel that n- desire bubbling up where you just want to give advice, stop. Did they ask me? for an opinion and if they didn't just stop just stop just they will ask they will ask you for information you don't need to tell them how to put a baby to sleep unless they say hey how do you get your unless that sentence comes out just don't offer it and then when they do well unleash your mum kraken (laughs) which which i do i will never give unsolicited advice but as soon as someone but solicited advice (laughs) oh girl run at me (laughs) So is it time to wrap up the podcast? I think probably we should get out of people's ears. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We've been talking for long enough. This is really exciting though, because I just want to give you a visual, but Rebs and I are sitting here across this fancy blue Yeti microphone. Not sponsored. But feel free to sponsor us if you like. (laughs) We're just two basic bitches who thought our voices needed to be on the internet because there aren't enough podcasts out there. But I love that we're giving it a go. And I hope that if nothing else, this podcast inspires you to go, hey, they're just two. Hey, they're just two mums. Giving it a crack. Buying a mic from JB Hi-Fi. <laughs> Let's end the podcast on a bit of a recommendations. What's a way that we can frame this? Like something that's sort of grabbing your attention at the moment. How are you ignoring your family this week, Gem? Yes. <laughs> I love it. So quick side note, my husband, sometimes I'll talk at him and talk at him and talk at him and then he'll turn around and I realize he's got one earbud in the ear I couldn't see. And is he listening to a podcast? Just listening to a podcast. Oh my gosh. Didn't hear a thing I said. And at first I used to get really mad and then I was like, hey, you know, we've all got to escape sometimes. I hope you add the we don't have time for this podcast to your husband's playlist. Oh my God, never. Then I can't talk about him. (laughs) Good point. Touche. Don't listen to us, Gray. Okay, so how am I ignoring my family this week? I have been diving into a little bit of Emily in Paris. Oh, no. 
The best. The, the, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Wait, let me say that again. The best worst show there ever was. I watched the first episode because there was a lot of hype. I couldn't stand it. <gasps> At all? No. Like you found no joy. Oh, okay. Look, the only thing, and I will say it's the only thing I found joy in were her outfits in her fashion. I mean, how could you not? (laughs) She looks so beautiful and very chic, but I could not stand the cliches. She may as well have been in a beret chewing on a baguette wearing a stripy jean. Does she? She doesn't in the first episode. (laughs) Well, it's coming in ep two. But even the fact that it's a Netflix show kind of blew my mind a little bit because when I think of Netflix, I think of really high quality viewing. So the production values, but not only that, they really find really interesting, unique subject matters, whether it's a documentary, like they kill it in the documentary department. Got to cover all bases. You can't just have highfalutin octopus docos all the time. (laughs) You've also got to get your Emily in Paris. Look, I watched the entire thing with my six-year-old. Sorry, I'm a bad mom. She doesn't know what sex is yet. It was fine. Um, and we loved it. We watched it on Sunday morning. I had like three coffees. We sat there. I don't know what the boys are doing, running around somewhere. And she loved it. She thought it was so fun. I thought it was so bad that it was good. Okay. I'm glad to hear that you thought it was so bad. Oh my God. It it's good. so bad. It is so bad. It is terribly written. The, the portrayal of women is laughable. The portrayal of men is laughable, but that was, it was so bad that I could not look away, but not in a car crash way in a like, like it's fluffy, silly, pervy shit. I don't know why, but maybe it's because I'm an actor. I'm a little bit of a snob. I love my fluff. You know, I do like, I love Love Island, The Bachelor. Oh, but if someone's actually trying to act in it and they fall on their face, you're like, next yeah i literally watched emily in paris and i was like you know what lily collins i give you credit for making that line work because that was a terribly written piece of dialogue that you had to try and make sound natural coming out of your mouth you didn't quite get there i give you a six and a half out of ten but good on you like seriously it is terrible and I could write the script oh here we go the key doesn't work because she hasn't got to the top floor and then an impossibly good looking man is going to open the door and it's going to be the start of a relationship and it's going to be a tough relationship because he's probably got a girlfriend or something I don't know I haven't I haven't got past the first episode yet but I can just see where it's going so do I persevere or do I give up right now you either sit down and watch it all in one big binge and laugh at it or get out. But it sounds like you're already hating it. Why would you put yourself through more of it? I thought it would be the perfect show to have a bit of me time because that was kind of the vibe I was getting from a lot of women was like, oh my gosh, it's like Gossip Girl meets Sex in the City. And I'm like, no, 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 I watch Sex in the City. Do not compare Emily in Paris to the Holy Grail. Don't you dare. Written by the same person. What? Patricia Field did the costumes. That's why you like them so much. It's the same team. Even the writers? Yeah. Shut up. They're just old now. <laughs> oh, that's the prop. They're trying too hard. Oh, honey. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that? <laughs> Gem's coming for your throne. <laughs> but if you need an actor, a half Asian, ambiguous looking actor, I'm your gal. Ambiguous. Now, Rebsy, tell me, how are you ignoring your family this week? The crown. Oh, okay. This I can get behind. Oh my God. It's my favorite show and you know I watch absolutely everything yeah and it's a masterpiece it's a masterpiece and so I've watched seasons one to three twice 
Wow. Yeah. I love it so much. I love, this is my art director coming out here, but I love that you can see the budget. Yeah, no, totally. Like, you know, in the bottom left corner of the frame will be the right era little silver spoon on the right saucer that's got like her name written in it that probably no one would have ever seen, but it made its way into this shot. And I am here for that. I love your eye for detail. I just love everything about the writing is superb. Oh, And the performances. Performances are incredible. Like Olivia Coleman is so incredible in this show. She is just amazing. But I even liked the original Elizabeth. Oh yeah, they've all been and the incredible. original Margaret. Like I thought they were all fantastic. I've loved every single stage of this show, and it just gets better and better. And now it's really fun to come into the era where we know, like yes. we know, we remember the Diana, Diana stuff. I mean, we were pretty young, but I remember my mum worshiping Diana and growing up with her in the pop culture. So I'm really enjoying seeing that, and I'm finding it so fascinating how the '80s is sort of like burst into the show because the royals are kind of a fashion of their own a time of their own like a vibe of their own and then suddenly we get this diana character that brings in all this contemporary stuff and i'm just loving it the only thing i'm not getting on board with that everyone's loving is Gillian anderson's margaret thatcher oh really yeah i don't think it's her she's amazing and i'm, I'm a huge fan of hers generally but i just find i think the writing's really one note Okay, so she's a bit too dimensional. But my husband's British and a bit older, so old, and he's like, yeah, but that was Thatcher. She was dogged and one note, like she had one goal and she just went after that. she wouldn't be that way behind closed doors. Like I'd be more interested in, everyone is multifaceted. Everyone is tri-dimensional. Which is what I like about that show is that they're not, historical figures their characters and it's really just essentially about a family and I love that but I'm finding the Margaret Thatcher like yes it's like a great voice and it's well done but I'm just I don't know I don't feel sorry for her or have much insight or whatever but maybe on my second watch of season four I will find more nuance okay but something I do have to ask you because you said to you the crown is just about a family you can you can almost kind of remove the royal aspects of it I wouldn't remove but (laughs) yes but like essentially it's about a family if you distill it down it is just a family Mm -hmm. but are you as interested in the royals in real life in real time no not at all oh because I am I know I mean I'm interested like I'm not but I'm not like into the royals did you watch Meghan and Harry's wedding uh, no, I didn't. What? I watched Kate Middleton's one. Oh, Kate Middleton's stolen every moment in my life. So everything I'm about to do, she just jumps in and does just like two weeks before me. So she got married just before me and she had the long sleeve lace. And I was like, no, bitch. Yeah, that was what you wore. <laughs> and then she had dress. George like a few weeks before I had Isla. And like, she just keeps doing it. Anyway, she's done now. Like I'm doing much more interesting stuff than her now. It's all good. But uh, no, no, I'm not like a big, like I tuned in to see what the dress was going to be and then I was like cool oh my god I feel like I was listening to all commentary across like every channel every network I listened to the British commentary the Australian commentary is this the Brit in you yes and is your mum into the royals oh is she ever is she she's a monarchist through and through which is so funny because I'm married to an anti-monarchist 
So my husband has no interest in the royals. He's that guy waving the flag for Australian independence. Um, whereas I'm like, no, froth. I love, the, I love the drama. I find Meghan particularly fascinating. I know a lot of people don't like her. I actually, I'm a little bit on team Meghan. And I say that tentatively because I think most people have now, especially recently, now that she's basically encouraged Harry to leave his entire history of who he is. Like I feel like... Like I empathize with her a bit. Like I feel like people think that she's this fame hungry power. Like I completely disagree with that. I feel like she got into acting for the art and the craft. And then she found herself in this world and then thought, you know what? I don't want a part of this. And you know what? I'm going to break some rules. I'm going to be a woman with a voice and I'm going to be unapologetic about it. And I feel like that's awesome. And if it ruffles people's feathers, who cares? Like I think good on you. I just find it so funny that we all have opinions on, no, I think she did it this way. No, I think (laughs) we don't know them at all. They historically don't talk. Like this is like the first time anyone's even spoken. Like I remember hearing Catherine Middleton's voice at her wedding and being like, oh, oh, whoa. (laughs) She's got a voice. Oh my God. She's so meek. (laughs) But but it's just like, we've never heard her voice before. And it's just, it's just so funny. People get so invested and put these narratives, like listen to the narrative you just created about her she's an actor she got into that for the craft we don't you don't know none of us know none of us know shit we don't know shit and everyone loves to play the i reckon this i reckon that game with the royals and literally they just sit there they come and cut some ribbons and then they'll go on a little tour or whatever to the colonies and that's what hubs feels about them he thinks they are utterly benign and redundant and don't have a place and they are it's hard to argue otherwise my my dad's a huge republican so i grew up with like that like anti-monarchy thing too I'd, i'm kind of i like a a royal like i don't know apathist i don't <laughs> yes i don't care like they're nice to look at and uh, but they don't offend me like i don't i don't i think it's hilarious we're not a republic like that is crazy that we still have a queen that doesn't live here that doesn't seem to care that much about us that's crazy yeah I don't care about them representing Australia but I don't know I'd be sad if the royals went away and look went away entirely yeah they're not gonna go away entirely I'm really curious to see what happens when the beautiful queen goes because she has represented multiple decades I mean like how many prime ministers she's yeah and the age that she stepped into that position and she has been of service like you cannot deny she has dedicated (laughs) her spoken by a true monarchist (laughs) (laughs) she has been of service she has the sacrifice that woman has made and I know everyone's gonna be screaming at me going oh such sacrifice in your bloody castles and your literally and your servants and your butlers and but I don't know I just feel like she is she's a national treasure the thing that's weird about it is like it's ordained like you're put there by god that's a pretty outdated idea oh look there's a lot of outdated ideologies the the English aren't gonna get rid of their royals that's all they have (laughs) that and maybe a rugby team every now and then oh and don't forget the NHS they're very proud of the NHS we can't talk shit about the NHS we'll have people trolling us Speaking of which, we have been talking for a while now and I love that we said we were going to wrap up the episode and I think another 20 minutes went by. Welcome to Netflix Chats with Kate and Gem. (laughs) We promise not every episode will be talking about an episode of a show. But it's been really nice having you here along with us. I'm really excited to see what becomes of this We Don't Have Time for This podcast series. Dear listeners, you are a big part of whether or not this podcast continues. 
Hopefully you enjoyed having a listen with us. Hopefully you poured yourself a glass of wine, coffee, whatever your poison may be. And thank you for letting me introduce you to my bestie, who I hope you fall in love with over the coming weeks as you get to know more and more about her. And as always, if you have anything that you would like us to talk about, because we really are quite directionless with where this is going to go. We just want to talk about whatever we feel really, but we love your input. So please, please never hesitate to DM me. Are we going to have an Instagram page? Yeah, let's get one if we can. Why not? DM her about what to talk on the podcast, but don't tell her how to parent. Please. Or I'll come after you. Yes, that's it, bestie. You got my back, girl. All right, I've really got to go. I don't have time for this. No, neither do I. you got to go home to the kids and I've got work tomorrow. Are you working tomorrow? Yeah, of course. I work every damn day of my life. Yeah.